The Haunted UK podcast is produced and released in stereo. Listening through an environment such as headphones or stereo speakers will ensure that you get the best experience. This show is sponsored by CDS Print and Design. For high-quality printed t-shirts, coasters, placemats, mugs, drinks containers, stickers and much, much more, contact Colin or Debbie for a no-obligation quote. You can find CDS Print and Design on Instagram, Facebook and now Etsy. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. If you love the Haunted UK podcast and you'd like to help keep the lights burning, the wheels turning, and the stories rolling, then why not consider getting over to coffee and donating to the show? That's KO-FI and search for the Haunted UK podcast. You can sign up to donate just £3 per month, the price of a coffee, or as much as you like. If you'd prefer not to subscribe, then any donation to the show will be greatly appreciated. You'll even get a shout-out in an episode of the main show. So that's KO-FI and search for the Haunted UK podcast to donate. Thank you. And here are the names of some amazing people who have donated to the show recently. They are Davy Granger, Sarah Walsgrove, Teresa Babcock, Oliver Wybrow, Andrew Lawrence, Ashley Martin, Evie Heyman, Rebecca Fellingham, Mark Burgess, Georgina Hills, James Firth, Kirsty Mills, John Collins, Nicola Higgins, David Sheward, Jackie House, and last but not least, Joe Captain Jack Sparrow Tooth. As well as coffee, you can also follow the Haunted UK podcast on Instagram, Twitter, at Haunted UK Pod, and on YouTube. And now, if you want exclusive Haunted UK podcast merchandise, such as hoodies, t-shirts, water bottles, mugs, coasters or stickers, then get yourself over to the Haunted UK Podcasts coffee shop right now. Do you love ghost stories? Tales of haunted houses and poltergeist encounters? What about other areas of the paranormal, such as strange creatures, doppelgangers, time slips and even creepy unexplained disappearances? If you do, then you're in the right place. And these are the topics which we'll be visiting every two weeks throughout the many future episodes and seasons of this show. And just to ensure that you get the best experience, there will be no advertisements throughout the main content of this episode. But please stick around to the end of the show, where you'll hear a small promo from one of the many great podcasts out there, which I know you'll want to check out. The script for this episode was kindly proofread and edited by Marie Waller. For more details about this service, email Marie at mariewaller.proofreading at gmail.com. That's mariewaller.proofreading at gmail.com. This email address will also be in the show notes. Now, without any further delay, let's get this episode started.
At first, I wasn't sure if it was the house or if it was me. But throughout a period of around eight months, I came to realize that I had a doppelganger. One that followed me but stayed in the shadows. One that would appear without being seen. One that would torment and terrify me. Nobody else saw us together, but on the rare occasions I would have friends say that they had spotted me out somewhere and I didn't react. Or that they had approached me to speak to me, but I would give them the coldest and evilest glares they had ever seen. A witness who had been haunted by their doppelganger. Welcome to Season 4 and Episode 31 of the Haunted UK Podcast. And this time, we're going to hear stories about the strange phenomenon that is the doppelganger. With almost 8 billion people living on our planet, the odds are that somewhere in the world, there is at least one person out there who looks just like you. That person is probably kind and good-natured, funny and trustworthy, but the doppelganger is a whole different phenomenon. The German word doppelganger means double-goer and is often described as an apparition of a real living person, an evil alter-ego. A little like the story of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Tales of doppelgangers go back centuries and have happened to people in all walks of life. And if you have an interest in the topic of doppelgangers, you'll have perhaps seen the strange similarities in photographs of people such as Nicolas Cage, Johnny Depp, John Travolta and so on. Old photographs of people who lived decades before these famous actors were even born yet they still share striking similarities with their more famous counterparts. But these aren't real doppelgangers. No. A real doppelganger can profoundly disturb its counterpart, can send the real person's life into a spiralling mess, can make that poor unfortunate feel that they are losing their mind. And for some people, the appearance of a doppelganger can mean that death is not too far away. Take the segment at the start of this episode, for instance. A sinister story from a woman who we'll call Jessica. Her eight-month torment is an alleged real-life story that seems almost unbelievable. If it wasn't for this fact, friends and relatives also witnessed something truly strange happening. But before we get into that creepy and disturbing story, 
let's hear about some other terrifying tales of people's encounters with their doppelgangers. It seems hard to believe that one of the most famous presidents in American history could have had a number of eerie experiences with a ghostly twin. Abraham Lincoln first saw his doppelganger shortly after he was elected in 1860. After a tiring day, Lincoln had set himself down on a sofa when, in a mirror on a bureau across the other side of the room, he saw a full-length version of himself, but with two faces. Lincoln wrote in his journal, quote, that the second face appeared to be nose to nose with the first one, but was deathly pale in comparison to its counterpart, end quote. Shocked and disturbed, Lincoln immediately got up and walked towards the mirror, only to see the ghostly face fade away. He then returned to where he had been sitting to try and recreate what he thought must have been some type of optical illusion. Sure enough, when he got back into the same seat and looked across to the mirror, the second face was back. Lincoln shot up again, but as before, the face faded away in front of him. He would never repeat the experience again, and it wasn't for the lack of trying. After he'd told his wife about the experience of the uncanny pale face in the mirror, he desperately tried to get the ghostly image to show itself again. But it wouldn't appear. Lincoln's wife took this as a bad omen and a sign that while he may be elected into office for a second term, he wouldn't see it through. Although this next part doesn't really owe itself to the doppelganger phenomena, it is very interesting all the same because it was as if the ghostly apparition in the mirror may have been trying to tell him something. Not long before Lincoln's assassination in 1865, he allegedly had a very vivid and disturbing dream, which he relayed to his friend Ward Hill Lehman. Lincoln described how he had gone to bed very late one evening, and due to his tiredness, quickly fell into a deep sleep. In his dream, he said that he had also been in bed and was woken by the sounds of people crying, which seemed to be coming from downstairs. He got out of bed and made his way to the landing where the crying became louder but there was no sign of any people. He descended the stairs and began to check every room to try and find out where the sobbing was coming from, but all the rooms appeared empty, except for one. As he entered the East Room in the White House, he was startled to see a body lying on a catafalque surrounded by soldiers who seemed to be keeping guard. As Lincoln recalled, the body had its face covered so he couldn't be certain who it was. There was also a large group of people who all seemed to be transfixed on the corpse lying in front of them. Lincoln asked one of the soldiers who it was that had died, to which the soldier replied, The President. He was killed by an assassin. As these words rang out, the crowd of mourners began to sob loudly again. This is when Lincoln woke up. Allegedly, he didn't sleep at all that night after the dream, as it had seemed to disturb and annoy him. The rest is history. Although this incident was a dream, 
could it have been the doppelganger who had tormented him before somehow working its way into Lincoln's consciousness and delivering him one more vision of his own death? Obviously, it seems like a stretch to believe an incident like this could really happen, but it does seem odd that it was not only the doppelganger Lincoln had encountered, but also the dream of him lying in state in the White House that was trying to convey some sort of message to him. His wife was the one person who wholeheartedly believed that something was trying to tell him of his own demise in advance. If only he'd have heeded the warnings and stayed away from the theatre back in 1865. Many people in power and politics have also been witness to unexplained encounters with doppelgangers. In 1906, in the Houses of Parliament, British MP Sir Gilbert Parker had a very strange experience whilst attending a meeting. As the meeting was getting underway, Parker noticed his friend and fellow Parliament member, Sir Frederick Rush, also in attendance. This surprised Parker and the other MPs, as they knew that their friend and colleague had been very sick with flu and had been confined to his home. Gilbert Parker decided to make his way over to his friend to ask how he was, but when he began to speak to him, he felt that something was very wrong and off with the whole situation. Frederick Rush seemed to be completely unaware of who Gilbert Parker was and wouldn't engage him in conversation. He just ignored him. Annoyed and slightly offended, Parker returned to his seat and was about to meet Frederick Rush's stare when he realized that he'd vanished. His seat was now empty. After the meeting, as the MPs gathered for a chat, Parker asked around to see if anyone else had seen Frederick at the meeting, and to his surprise, the answer was yes. Many MPs who had been sat close to him didn't see him leave at all, and they couldn't work out where he'd gone. Also, Nobody in the entrance to the building saw Frederick Rush either leave or enter the Houses of Parliament. So how did he suddenly become invisible to everyone around him? Gilbert Parker took it upon himself to contact Frederick Rush to ask him where he had disappeared to at the meeting and why he was acting so strangely. To Parker's astonishment, Frederick Rush had insisted that he hadn't been out of his house all day as he was still in bed very sick with the flu. If Parker didn't believe him, he was free to ask his house assistant and his family who were all with him at home all day. Again, many people including Frederick's family took this as a sign that death was just around the corner as the doppelganger was an omen of doom. But Rush took it lightheartedly and joked that he would try to die harder next time. One of the most compelling and strangest tales of a doppelganger haunting was the story of Emily Saget. Not much is really known about Emily's early life, but at some point she became a teacher. A teacher with a very strange past. She never seemed to be able to hold down a teaching position for very long, moving schools an incredible 19 times in just 16 years. Many of her students and colleagues would find out why she had to keep moving around. It was because of a spectral twin. It first appeared while Emily was teaching a class of students. 
They all sat completely dumbfounded as they watched what looked like a perfect copy of their teacher appear next to her and begin to mimic her movements until it vanished. The strange thing was, was that Emily was completely unaware of what the students were looking at. She didn't see this ghostly twin next to her, but she did say that for some reason she had become very lethargic and weak, as if something was drawing on her life force. Emily's doppelganger also seemed to possess the ability to move freely of its own living twin, and this was also witnessed by a large number of people. On one occasion, around 50 people experienced something truly eerie, but also fascinating. A class of students were hard at work sewing while their teacher was sat at the front of the class reading a book. Outside, the students could clearly see Emily Sage working in the garden, and everything seemed completely normal. At around that point in time, the teacher who was supervising the sewing class left the room. Shortly after, Emily Sage entered the classroom and sat in the chair that had just been occupied by the previous teacher. But things took a very strange turn when students began noticing that Emily was still in the garden, clear as day, still working. And totally oblivious of what was going on a short distance away from her in the classroom. Being extremely curious and brave, two students decided to approach the strange twin to see if they could communicate with her. As they approached and got closer, they noticed that whatever this thing was, it looked exactly like Emily in every way. One of the students reached out to touch her, but found that their hand disappeared inside the apparition, and most intriguingly, it felt like this ghostly twin had mass. The student described the feeling as, quote, running your hand through cobwebs, end quote. When asked about the incident, Emily said that she had been in the garden picking flowers all the time, but had been daydreaming about being in the classroom with her students. She also said that she felt drained and tired. More appearances of Emily's doppelganger continued to take place, and this paranormal stranger became something of a regular all around the school. More students also attempted to approach the apparition and touch her, with descriptions of her feeling, quote, like a thick fabric, end quote, coming from some. But as time went on, Emily's doppelganger was causing the school to lose students. Parents were becoming increasingly concerned about this frightening, unexplained phenomena and began to withdraw their children from the school and move them to another one. Authorities had to act. Although Emily Sage was considered to be a valued and respected member of staff, as well as an outstanding teacher, the school had no choice but to dismiss her and her ghostly twin. It's incredibly interesting that this case details the opinions of the person actually experiencing the effects of having a doppelganger. And it's especially intriguing to find that Emily had no idea when or where her twin would appear and the fact that she never saw it, yet she always felt its effects. Weakness, tiredness, and feeling groggy were the symptoms she would describe whenever this energy materialized, 
and it was as if it would draw on her life force to enable its appearances, a point that was made earlier in the episode. These two cases on their own tell of a phenomenon that can be both incredibly disturbing to those who witness it, but also draining and debilitating to those who it affects. Cases of these spectral twins have been recorded over the course of history and have even presented themselves to royalty. One of England's most famous rulers, Queen Elizabeth I, had a frightening experience with something that looked exactly like her in her bedroom. As Elizabeth entered her living quarters and bedroom, she was frozen to the spot, as lying in her bed was an exact double of herself, but dead. This incident had a profound effect on her, and as the legend usually goes when you see your own doppelganger, her actual death soon followed. How true this is is not really known, but a very similar incident befell the Russian Empress Catherine the Great. The story goes that guards had seen Catherine entering her private rooms, but were confused as to how she could have got there so quickly as they had seen her in the throne room only moments before. They voiced their concerns to Catherine, who immediately made her way to the throne room with her guards to investigate. Upon entering, she was stunned to see what looked like an exact double of herself sitting on her throne, looking in all aspects as if she was the Empress. She ordered her guards to fire their weapons at the intruder who had taken her seat of power, but as they fired, Catherine's double vanished before their eyes. As with Elizabeth I, Catherine would soon die afterwards. This creepy trait of the doppelganger signaling the spectre of death on the horizon is well documented. These strange duplications of ourselves also seem to have, in some cases, a complete disassociation with basic human emotions. Instead, they can come across as being very cold, calculated, and intent on luring either their real counterpart or someone very close to them to some sort of trap or harm. This is relevant in our next selection of stories. In 2015, a woman and her daughters were at a beach looking for seashells, when after a while the two eldest children became bored and asked if they could go and have lunch with friends at a nearby cottage. Their father had already decided to go ahead and help out, so their mother agreed and watched as they made their way up the beach towards the cottage which was in sight. This left her and her four-year-old daughter to continue looking for shells, but soon after, her youngest also wanted to go to the cottage for lunch. As with her eldest daughters, the mother watched as her four-year-old walked towards the cottage and caught up with her sisters. The mother decided to make the most of her time on the beach and continued walking and searching for shells, but the weather started to take a turn with high winds and dark clouds approaching there seemed to be a storm on the horizon. The woman recalls that the seas became incredibly rough, with large waves crashing up the beach. She decided to turn back and make her way to the cottage to be with her children when she describes suddenly being overcome with strong feelings of dread and despair. It was at this moment that she felt she was being drawn to look out to sea. And this is when she saw 
her four-year-old daughter frantically fighting for her life in strong currents and battering waves. But she just watched her daughter walk up the beach to catch up with her sisters and go to their friend's cottage. Surely if something had gone wrong, or if her four-year-old had decided to come back to her, then at least someone would have accompanied her. She was absolutely certain her little girl was at the cottage with her sisters and father, but there she was, her youngest daughter, in the process of drowning right in front of her. She admits she was completely hysterical and in a state of total panic, and she also knew that if she went out to sea to try and save her, she would drown too. But for some inexplicable reason, she started to wade out into the waves to try and reach her daughter. There was some strange atmosphere and magnetism that was encouraging her to go further and further into the water, something that wanted her to die. She knew that whatever it was that was out at sea, it wasn't her daughter, and she had to use all of her resolve and fight every feeling in her mind which was telling her to go further and deeper into the waves to make the decision to turn around. She got back to the beach and began running for the cottage, sobbing her heart out with every single stride she took. As she got to the pathway to the front door, her four-year-old daughter greeted her and they embraced. As she held her daughter, she said that she had never felt emotions like those at that moment, but she was still completely convinced that the girl in the sea was there to lure her to her death, for reasons that she had no idea about. Was the little girl's doppelganger really trying to draw her mother into the sea to kill her? We'll never know, but this certainly is a very creepy story. And talking about creepy stories, it leads us nicely onto our next doppelganger experience. A young 15-year-old girl, we'll call her Becky, who lived with her family which included her grandmother, had an incredibly disturbing encounter with a doppelganger. She recalls that her grandmother was an amazing woman who loved to clean and tidy to keep herself busy. Becky often found her in her room tidying up, vacuuming and polishing, so when she came home one day to find her upstairs in her room, there was nothing strange to worry about. That was until she noticed that her grandmother hadn't returned her gesture of hello and hadn't moved since she'd entered the room. She was just standing in front of the closet, staring. Her grandmother was 85 years old, but Becky had never seen this type of behavior from her in the past. She continued to stay rooted to the spot, staring at the closet when Becky approached her and asked her how she was. This question seemed to have the desired effect, but instead of hearing her grandmother's familiar friendly voice, Becky was genuinely disturbed and frightened as her grandmother slowly turned her head to look at her. She stayed completely silent and stared straight into Becky's eyes, meeting her gaze with the most evil, cold and spine-tingling of glares. Becky knew that this couldn't be her grandmother, but to her knowledge, there was no one else in the house. Then, to Becky's astonishment, her grandmother opened the closet door, walked in and closed it behind her. What was going on here? What was her grandmother up to? Becky plucked up the courage to open the closet door, only to find that it was empty. Whatever it was that was in her room with her had disappeared. 
Becky simply didn't know what to do. So she shouted for her grandmother, to which she got a reply from downstairs. That happy, familiar voice telling her that dinner was almost ready. Becky bolted downstairs into the kitchen to ask her grandmother, had she been there all the time that she had been back home? She told Becky, yes. And she laughed saying, dinner isn't going to make itself, is it? A very creepy, eerie and chilling story that really does make you think, if you're in a room with someone who you feel you know, but they're acting a little strange, are they really who you think they are? Let's now get back to the story at the very beginning of this episode. A tale of a woman who we've called Jessica, who was adamant that she was being stalked and tormented by her doppelganger, until something truly strange happened which altered the course of her life. She began to notice weird things happening to her inside her home. Jessica admits that life around this time period wasn't treating her amazingly well at all. She'd been made redundant from her job, and whilst having almost immediate success in finding another one, she felt she was struggling to settle in. In turn, this was making her home life more and more miserable, and on top of this, her relationship with her long-term partner was also beginning to suffer, with Jessica feeling that she was being taken advantage of and even having the suspicion that she was being cheated on, a suspicion that would come full circle in a very strange way. Her strange encounters began with small things, things out of the corner of her eyes. She recalls that she would go to the bathroom at home and whilst getting ready after taking a shower, she would swear that the reflection in the mirror wasn't in time with her. In the kitchen preparing a meal, she would put a knife down and go over to the sink to wash something else and catch her reflection in the window but her reflection would be behind her. When she would turn around in panic, the knife would never be in the same place that she'd left it. This would happen more and more, with Jessica even beginning to think that all the stress from her job and her failing relationship was finally beginning to get to her. It was after an accident at home that Jessica really began to think that something was wrong. She was alone for the weekend as her partner was away with friends at a stag party. She'd taken the Friday off work and was getting on with some cleaning and washing when, as she was carrying some clothes downstairs, she slipped and fell down the last two or three steps. The hallway of the house had a wooden floor and as she landed she hit her head. Not hard, but hard enough to make her feel shook up. As she stood up, she looked in a mirror which was on the wall by the front door to check for bruising and then picked up the clothes and turned to walk down the hall towards the kitchen when she suddenly stopped dead in her tracks. There, standing down the hallway in front of the open kitchen door, was her, an exact double of herself, dressed in the same clothes. Jessica was completely frozen to the spot when her double said, That's only what you deserved, in a voice that was similar to hers, but darker somehow. Jessica recalls that everything about her double seemed darker. Darker hair, darker eyes, darker shadows cast on her as she stood there. In a split second, Jessica blinked and the apparition was gone, 
Did she imagine it? Was she still in shock because of the fall and was now seeing things? She became more aware of what she was doing during the remainder of Friday and all through Saturday, but nothing unusual happened at all, until Sunday. She said that at around 11am, she received a call from a close friend who seemed quite abrupt and sharp with her on the phone. Her friend asked her why she had completely ignored her near the car park of a local supermarket. She told Jessica that she'd finished shopping and had loaded up her car. Then on the way to take the trolley back to the trolley park, she saw her standing on the pathway over the road from the supermarket, completely motionless and staring at her. She took the trolley back and went over the road to see if Jessica was alright, but was really spooked when, as she approached her, she felt that something was really off. She told her that she didn't look right, she looked out of it, and her stare was really creepy. She said, I asked you if you were okay, and if you needed a lift home and you gave me the most evil stare I've ever seen. Then you just walked off. Have I done something to you? Jessica didn't know what to say apart from the fact that she had been at home all morning and hadn't left the house once. She then asked her friend if she could remember what this person had been wearing and she replied by saying dark blue running leggings and a black jumper, which was exactly what Jessica was wearing. She couldn't believe it. What was going on? She begged her friend to come around to the house so she could speak to her and a few minutes later, her friend was at the door. They sat down with a coffee and Jessica poured her heart out about her job, her relationship and the freakish appearance of her ghostly twin. Sobbing to her friend, Jessica admitted that she thought she was actually losing her mind until her friend had seen it too. Critically, Jessica had proof that she was at home at the time of the sighting. She had been on a FaceTime call to her mother and father for over an hour, so she couldn't have been down near the supermarket. Understandably, her friend was sceptical and then said that it must have been someone who simply looked like her and was just surprised to have a stranger come up to them asking if they were okay. But this wasn't the only time her twin would make an appearance away from the house. On one occasion at work, after visiting the toilet and returning to her desk, a work colleague pointed out that she'd just seen her in the cafeteria sitting in the corner by the window. How did she get back to her desk so quickly and why had she changed her clothes? In another incident, Jessica was walking in a nearby park when a friend approached her and said she could have sworn she'd just seen her walking up the pathway to her house. How had she got to the park so fast? Also, on this occasion, the doppelganger was wearing the same clothes according to her friend. Jessica recalls that around seven months after all of this had started, she went to see her mother to catch up. Her mother smiled and invited her inside, and they both sat outside in the garden with a drink when her mother said, I'm worried about you. Are you sure everything is okay because you really didn't seem yourself yesterday, and I mentioned it to your father that something felt wrong? Confused but now ready for the unexpected, she asked what her mother meant. Her mother replied that she was on her way home after a walk and was almost on her street when she saw Jessica walking towards her. She said that Jessica had looked withdrawn, 
exhausted and nervous, and when her mother was about to speak to her, Jessica just said, she's just not seeing it, and continued to walk straight past her and around the corner. Her mother said that she was going to call her that evening to see if she was okay, but decided to give her some time. As Jessica sat with her mother, she reassured her that she was okay, and it was just work and other things getting in the way, and she knew that she had been acting a little strange lately. But in truth, she knew that this thing was making yet another appearance. Now all through this episode, the majority of stories have dealt with sightings of doppelgangers who have seemingly given cast-iron warnings of imminent death or have tried to draw their real-life counterparts into dangerous situations or something similar. But Jessica's story was about to take an extremely strange turn, for the better. Although the sightings and incidents involving her double had frightened her and caused her to question her own mental health, it was a visit from a total stranger that finally brought everything to a stunning conclusion. Whilst at her desk at work, Jessica had a call from the receptionist downstairs to tell her that a man was waiting to see her. She was sure she didn't have any meetings or visitors lined up for that particular day, but went down to see who it was. As she got into reception, she thought she recognized the man, but wasn't sure where from. He was pleasant and polite, and asked if she had a few minutes to spare to speak outside. She called back up to her manager and said that she was going to go to lunch early and would be back soon. Outside, the man said he was a colleague of her partner and that he had seen her several times in the area of their workplace hanging around, as if waiting for something. He told her that he couldn't bear to see her looking so upset any longer and needed to tell her what had been going on. Her partner had been having a long-term affair with her friend, the same friend who Jessica's doppelganger had given the evil stare to and ignored, the same friend who she'd poured her heart out to. The man told Jessica that her friend had even turned up at the stag party weekend and shared a hotel room with her partner. Everything was now beginning to make sense. It was as if her apparitional twin was warning her about her partner, telling her that something was wrong, making appearances to those who were causing Jessica harm, appearing before her to make her question everything. The man said that he felt that she must have had an idea that something was going on after seeing her so many times outside his workplace. He assumed she was waiting to see if she could catch a glimpse of this other woman. He confessed that he had known for a while about the affair, but just couldn't continue ignoring the situation and watching her suffer. Over the next few days, confrontations were had, confessions were heard, and decisions were made. Jessica's life turned around, and her twin never made another appearance. Our last story comes from the 1880s, and this time it happens to the husband of an incredibly well-known author. Percy Shelley was married to none other than Mary Shelley, who most famously wrote the classic horror novel, Frankenstein. Percy would encounter his ghostly twin on several occasions, and being so concerned that this was some sort of ominous omen, he would recount his stories to his wife. 
he would tell horrifying tales of being woken up in the darkness of night, only to see a duplicate of himself floating above him. Curiously, this would only happen when Shelley was ill, as if his doppelganger was relishing the fact that its real-life counterpart was suffering. A couple of very strange encounters really stand out in Shelley's experience with this eerie phenomenon. The first happened on the 23rd of June, 1822, while Shelley was at home. He recalled that he had decided to go out on the terrace to relax, but was instantly disturbed to find his double standing at the other end of the terrace, calmly looking out at the view. As if it had become aware of the real Percy Shelley's presence, it slowly turned to face him and said, quote, How long do you mean to be content? End quote. Shocked by what he was seeing, Shelley turned his gaze away for a split second, only to look back at his double and find that it had disappeared. If his wife was in any doubt that her husband was telling the truth, the next incident would wipe that doubt away. Mary Shelley's friend Jane Williams was in a building on a street which led to a dead end. She recalled that on one particular day she was casually looking out of a window at street level and saw Percy Shelley walk past from the direction of the dead end. Nothing strange about that at all, but a few moments later, he walked past again, from the same direction, and Jane didn't recall seeing him return the other way to come back again. Sometime later, when both Jane and Percy were together, she mentioned this incident to him, but he insisted that he was nowhere near that street on that day, and his wife vouched for him. One of the last times that Percy Shelley encountered his doppelganger was on a beach. He saw his double in the distance and began to approach it cautiously. As he got to within talking distance, it once again turned to him, but instead of speaking, it raised up an arm and pointed in the direction of the sea, then vanished. Percy Shelley died a short time later in July 1882, drowning out at sea in a tragic sailing accident. Was this doppelganger trying to forewarn Shelley of an incident that could result in his death? Just as Jessica's double in the story before was trying to warn her of the hurt that her partner was inflicting upon her. As stated near the start of this episode, with almost 8 billion people living on our planet, the odds are that somewhere in the world, there is at least one person out there that looks just like you. That person is probably kind and good-natured, funny and trustworthy. But the doppelganger is a whole different phenomenon. As we've now heard, some can be cruel and try to punish. Some can be seen as wanting to inflict death upon their real living counterparts or a loved one close to them. Some, however, see their brief existence as a tool to warn off an imminent incident, which has the potential to either alter or end the life of the real person. But how do these strange apparitions manifest themselves? Are they a product of feelings so strong that our own minds can somehow make these ghostly twins materialize? Or is this a type of astral projection, which we don't yet understand? After all, 
If everyone was able to manifest this phenomena, then we'd be hearing stories of doppelgangers all the time. But we don't. So is it only certain people? Or certain circumstances or certain conditions in our atmosphere? Or is it our own minds that enable us to build these sometimes creepy and eerie alter egos? And are these alter egos the darker side of our own personality, which have no leash on their consciousness? Could many of these doppelgangers be compared to the soulless who are devoid of emotion, like in Wes Craven's 1985 movie Chiller, where a corporate executive, cryogenically frozen after his death, is brought back to life ten years later after a malfunction in his cryogenic chamber? Doctors perform a procedure on him which wasn't possible when he passed away. He survives and begins to fit back into his old life. But his soul never made it back with him, and he is now cruel, manipulative, spiteful, and even murderous. Whatever this phenomenon is, one thing is certain. The stories from the witnesses who have been unlucky, or in some cases, lucky enough to encounter them, are indeed incredibly fascinating. So if you're taking a walk in a park one day, and you happen to see someone in the distance staring at you, and they have a striking resemblance to you, then be very careful. Because the next person who could encounter their doppelganger could be you. Well, we've come to the end of this episode of the Haunted UK podcast. But before I go, I'd like to ask a favour from all of you amazing listeners out there. The show's end-of-season finale revolves around the experiences and stories from listeners just like you. So if you've had an encounter with any element of the paranormal and you'd like to share your story, then I'd love to tell it for you on the Listener Stories finale episode. Simply type up your story and email it to hauntedukpodcast at hotmail.com. That's hauntedukpodcast at hotmail.com. And in the subject section of your email, title it Listener Story so it's easy for me to find. All stories are treated with the utmost privacy and respect, and if you wish to remain anonymous, then that's no problem at all. This podcast is recorded, mixed and mastered at my studio, Pink Flamingo Music Productions in Hells Owen in the West Midlands, England. If you have a piece of music you'd like mixing or mastering, or if you have a podcast that needs title music writing, or maybe you want your whole podcast editing and prepping for distribution, then why not get in touch with me via email at pinkflamingo.musicproductions at hotmail.com. That's pinkflamingo.musicproductions at hotmail.com with your inquiry, and I'll get back to you as soon as possible. For a list of all research sources which I found helpful for the writing of this episode, please see the show's notes. Thank you again for listening to and supporting the Haunted UK podcast. So until the next episode, stay safe and take care. But before you go, why not check out the following great podcast? Greetings, friends. Do you have a taste for the unknown? Are your days plagued with thoughts of the strange and morbid? Has your thirst to know about the world's most sadistic killers ever been quenched? If not, then I'm here to help. Join me on the Nightcap Nebula podcast, where I, your humble storyteller, 
take you on a glorious ride into the mysterious universal abyss. Learn why your neighbor might be harboring a really horrible secret, or if that conspiracy theory you thought was false turned out to be real. Whatever your dark desire, you'll find it here. Follow me on Instagram at the Nightcap Nebula Pod for updates to the show and listen anywhere you get your podcasts. Until then, be safe and stay curious. Now, back to your program.